It is the afternoon delight here on ESPN Pittsburgh. A little bit of breaking news here. Sam Darnold's been traded. Not to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Jets are trading Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth-round pick in this year's draft, second- and fourth-round picks in the 2022 draft, according to Adam Schefter. On the phone lines now, we got our buddy Chris Carter uh, of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers podcast. Kind of join us. Kind of enough. Jeez, oh, man, I'm trying to get this breaking news out, Chris, and I'm all over the place here. I'm trying to make sure I'm right. I'm pushing the buttons, trying to get you on the air here. Listen, it's a lot to host and produce this thing at the same time, okay? Uh, your thoughts, Chris, is this news just kind of broke, you know, a few minutes ago um, before we went on here. Jets trading Sam Darnold again to the Panthers. Sixth-round pick this year, second and fourth in 2022. Your thoughts, good sir? I mean, it, it, I get that the Panthers would be a team that are looking for something to just happen at quarterback. You know, the, the for the people who said that the Steelers should trade for him, I mean, it just, you look at you look at the situation and it just doesn't match up. Sam Darnold's going to be owed a lot of money next year and his fifth year option. Like, there's just there's so many things that didn't shape up well with this. And I know that there's still the prospect that his arm could still be really strong and he's a young quarterback. And so you're thinking maybe he could fit, and it's just no. It, that's just he, he would he would do it. it's a reclamation project. You'd have to work on rebuilding a quarterback who has been spending the the first few years of his life in the NFL working with a bad system, and it's just the the rarity of that working out makes it something that's not worthwhile the investment unless you did it for nothing like how they got the Steelers got Dwayne Haskins. Hmm. They signed they wait for Dwayne Haskins to hit free agency. They let they hit they they grab him up as a with a future reserves contract. So it's basically like nothing against their cap. And then they let that situation hit. But with Sam Donald, I mean, you know, you know, like this, this year for the Jets, he was he was cost he was cost he was going to cost like nine point seven ish million million dollars against their cap. You know, next year it was gonna it was gonna get even crazier. But I just yeah, I don't see this as something the Steelers should have invested in. Um, you know, and you weren't going to see him this year anyway. Right. Like you, you have to well, maybe maybe out in Latrobe, right? But that's year. about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, like you see him in some preseason games, but that just that wouldn't be it. The Panthers they have some cap space right now. They they're got, they're they're probably going to have cap space. Uh, you know, a good amount of cap space next year. So there's a lot of things that could really work out in their favor. Plus, they need a veteran quarterback. You know, they're in a position where they're in the eighth spot in the draft, which. Could work out for them getting a quarterback in this first round, but maybe it doesn't. But either way, you get you get uh, Sam Donald to him. Now it gives you multiple, like a, another veteran presence. Say, hey, we took a shot at this guy, um, and we'll see what happens next year. Chris, sticking with kind of you know this same conversation, and, and you just touched on it there briefly, but. Is there any chance the Steelers take a quarterback? And I don't mean, right, I don't mean like in the fifth round of the draft this year. I'm talking at pick 24 or hell, maybe even trading up to get one. That seems like every week, Chris, it feels like we have a new Steelers draft debate to kick around, right? Should they take a linebacker in the first round? Should they take a corner in the first round? Would you take a running back at pick 24 or is that too high? Uh, today, I've seen it all. You want to trade up and get Trey Lance? What if somebody like Mac Jones falls? Are the, are the, are the Steelers going to trade up? Are the Steelers going to trade up? And John Clayton was on that other radio station in town talking about how well, guys, I really think that the Steelers could trade up to get a quarterback. Chris, any chance the Steelers take a quarterback? Like I said, I'm not talking in the, the fourth or fifth or sixth round. I'm talking at pick 24 or higher. No. Uh, well, I'll say this. It's a very slim chance. I, I, mean, I, rarely, yeah, I mean, Trevor I Lawrence could fall to pick 24, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that. But 
you know, I, I see him, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, all getting selected in the top 10. Trey Lance also could fall into that. But the only thing about Trey Lance is that, you know, he didn't play this year. So some teams might be like, eh, I don't know. I don't feel like taking the risk on that. I'm going to go get me a J.C. Horn. I'm going to get me a Jamar Chase. or you know, And, and that keep pushing him down. And maybe if he's sitting there at 24, the Steelers are like, yeah, well, we didn't think he'd get here. Might, might as well pick him while he's here. But I just I don't see that happening. Mac Jones does not fall into that category. Mac Jones would be like, you know, if he's around in like the third round, then I'd be like thinking of him the Steelers. I know he won't be around in the third round, so that's why I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I'd say 1% chance of the Steelers drafting a quarterback at pick 24, doing something with a quarterback in the first round this year. I project that to be next year when they start to get into those considerations. I think that's well said by our buddy Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers podcast. So, okay, one more hypothetical that fans love to kick around this time of year, Chris. Uh, more likely, and let's let's stay within the first round here, okay, too. So, so not in the second or third round or anything like that. More likely at pick 24, the Steelers trade up or trade back if they were to move off of 24. Oh, it's more likely that they trade back. Simply because, say – you know, say because with that quarterback situation, say Trey Lance does fall to that spot, or someone's really feeling Mac Jones and he's still available. That could be a tempting spot where someone's panicking for a quarterback, as teams often do in the NFL. And you say, hey, uh, why don't you cough up a third round pick or a second round pick, and, and, and we'll we'll swap with you here, um, and you know, and, and we'll get that. We'll, we'll move back in the first round and then give you an extra pick. They, there's also teams that might be doing that. For other positions, you know, with maybe an edge rusher, like Equity Pay falls, falls down that far. Maybe there's a cornerback that they really like or a safety. Teams often do want to trade up, and that could be an advantage the Steelers get here. And specifically because I love the talent level at the, in the second and third rounds this year in the NFL draft because this, this draft is particularly deep with offensive tackles, with centers, with linebackers, with, which are all things that this team needs that could, that, that could legitimately be drafted in the second or third round, and you expect that these guys to either become starters this year or at least immediate contributors off the bench. And that's where the Steelers could use a lot of help because, as we know, they need depth at inside linebacker. They need depth at edge rusher. They need depth at cornerback. They need depth at a lot of positions. They, you know, they, they may need a starter at center. You know, you look at all those, all those needs, that adds up a lot and adds up quickly. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, man, I, I see the trade back as a much higher – I'd even say, you know, there's, I'd put it close to 50% that they may actually trade back here. Now, again – what often happens when you get to 24 is if your guy is sitting there or a guy that you put on your big board that you projected that he should go in the top 15, you're like, well, can't pass that up. So right, that's, right. That, right. Like, yeah, that's, what, that, that's what often does happen, and you, know, you, can't, you can't miss those opportunities. But in this, you know, in, in this year, the Steelers may look at it and say, hey, we got lots of needs, and we could use some young guys to replenish different spots around the field. Let's trade back. Let's see what we can get here. And then that opens up, hey, maybe you can get a, a, a second tight end higher up in the draft if you, hmm. if, you, uh, if, if you get a higher pick in the second round. Or maybe we can get you know, a really talented off-ball linebacker who pairs with Devin Bush right away. Um, so, you know, and still while getting your running back and the other things that you need in this draft uh, you know, as far as primary concerns. So, yeah, trading back absolutely on the table. And I, I've even talked about it with several of my mock drafts. Yes, you have. Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I, yeah. Woo! Chris, I, 
That is what I think. There's obviously a lot of, in, I mean, there always is intrigue, right? I feel like we can do that hyperbolic thing. Oh, wow, what a, what a year for insert local football team in the NFL draft. I mean, a lot of key decisions, <laughs> a lot of tough calls to make. But honestly, I am just, I am so, uh, I, maybe I should word that. Like, I am waiting, I am anticipating with their draft, are they prioritizing clearly trying to go for it now, or do they make some moves that look like they are for the long haul? That's where I'm very interested to see how things break uh, about just a little over three weeks from now when the draft begins in Cleveland. Chris, uh, it is a little over three weeks from now to the draft. This is something you and I have discussed on the show, how this is quite often Kevin Colbert time where he can still nab some of those free agents who their value might have depreciated a little bit. Maybe they're not A-list guys, but B and C-list guys who can certainly play but won't handcuff you from a contract, uh, from a salary standpoint. We heard a little um, whispering around Carl Joseph a few days ago. It's been quiet on that front. Now, you still think we're going to get another move or two from Kevin Colbert. It is, again, it's, what, 24 days from now till the draft. So they've got time, but we're also getting closer to that date. I think you will hear something from the Steelers. But what also might end up happening is here is that they wait until after the draft to do so. Hmm. Because you, you see, I mean, and I, I, this is something I find very interesting. The Steelers need depth at cornerback. You know, we you know, we know that Cam Sutton and Joe Hayden are your def, definite starters. There's several corners on, on the market right now. Who could you could plug in and say, hey, I'd give that guy at veteran a good chance at starting um, behind those two guys or starting in the slot. You know, the the, the fact of the matter, matter remains that Stephen Nelson is still unsigned. Richard Richard uh, Richard Sherman is still unsigned. Casey Hayward, Brian Poole, uh, Nickel Roy Coleman. There's there's so many guys out there that have played in the NFL for years. They know what it's they know what the competition's like, and that you could probably bring over to the Steelers and say, hey, do your best. Fit, fit into this role, we got you because, you know, really the defense is going to be based on these star players. We just need you to fit into a role that that, that, that keeps things together. And uh, I think that there's guys available like that. And if they're not getting picked up right now, that means teams are kind of settling in, getting ready for the NFL draft. So what might be the best move here is the Steelers, you know, wait it out, See how many more of these guys get stunned, and then after the draft, say you know, say you use this as ammunition in your draft. Like you get to that second round, and you're like, mm, Asante Samuel Jr. looks really cool at cornerback, but oh, Jameen Davis from Kentucky, he's a great <laughs> off-ball linebacker. And well, wait a second, there's like three, four cornerbacks that we would hire out of free agency at a good price. Let's go get Davis. Let's go get add him to the linebacker core, and then we'll sign the cornerback that we want. And then, hey, if we want to take a shot at a cornerback early next year, we'll do that. But that's where you kind of try to find the balance of a free agency. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not guaranteed the Steelers are going to sign someone in the next couple of weeks before the draft. But I think after the draft, that you may see some uh, some moves based off the results there. Uh, but who knows? Like you said, they were bringing in Carl Joseph. We didn't hear anything from that, so maybe that didn't go well, or maybe it didn't go at all. You know, with COVID stuff, sometimes things can you know go awry. Like how tight they got Tyson Alulu back. So lots of different things on the table there. But don't don't think that Kevin Colbert's asleep. He's definitely got think, you know contingencies and plans in place. But as always, the most important part of the Steelers building is through the draft. They've always valued that, so that's what's going to come first. 
I heard the problem was Carl Joseph, you know, when he walked in, uh, Pat Narduzzi was standing there, and he gave him the, the double middle finger stone-cold stunner, and the Steelers said, sorry, <laughs> sorry, son, we just can't be having that. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, and the Locked On Steelers podcast, my guest here, as he's kind enough to do every Monday on the afternoon delight here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Chris, you and I have spent, you know, we've been discussing the draft here every Monday on the show now for at least a month, uh, at least certainly since the Super Bowl ended, so, so longer than a month. We've talked about guys that we like at running back and different scenarios that could shake out at offensive line or, or, or at linebacker edge guys falling to the Steelers. We even discussed a possibility of that happening with a cornerback like J.C. Horn if, the, if a guy like that could be available at 24. You and I have discussed a lot of different scenarios of a lot of different guys that we like, but maybe on the opposite side of that equation, right? Is there a scenario that you think would doom the Steelers? Is there a guy that you think the Steelers should stay away from? That's an interesting. That's an interesting perspective. Um, well, I kind of said it earlier with my Mac Jones take. You know, all, there's a lot of people out there that yeah. said, "Hey, the Steelers should go get Mac Jones or do this." I saw a mock draft where the Steelers drafted an edge rusher and then uh, uh, Kellen Mond in the second round. I was like, "Oh, that was no, 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 no. That, that's not what we do out here." <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, I, I do think that. I don't like this year's class of early edge rushers. I think Quinnipiac can, can work out, but they, they would not fit what the Steelers need right now. So like, if the Steelers ended up going edge rusher, I think that would be a huge mistake um, in the early rounds. And, and that's nothing against those players. I just think that they wouldn't either they wouldn't fit or they would be kind of like uh, you're competing with Alex Highsmith. That pick could have been used on a center, an offensive tackle, or a running back, or anything that could that could have worked out there. Um, and and Honestly, I'm I'm not too keen on them. Um, one guy I I love the, his tape in the in the way that he fights, but I just I kind of have some reservations when I watch Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame. It's not that I don't like him, but his style of play, Wes, he is rangy. He's a linebacker. He goes all over the place. You know, he made a really impressive interception against Pitt this year. Um, you know, he, he has stuff on, on his resume that all fits like, hey, that's a good passing down linebacker. But he is not that good when he's engaging with linemen. And, and I feel like with Devin Bush, you have the rangy guy or the main rangy guy. You have a guy who can run all around and use his explosiveness and speed. And it's good to double up there. But I want to pair Devin Bush. If you're getting a guy in the first round, it needs to be a guy who's better at taking on those blockers, who's a little bit sicker hmm. and, and, can, and, and can also help in the coverage. But you know he's coming on. He's gonna he's gonna take on the brunt of blockers to help Devin Bush be more like the Devin Bush they need. So, Awusu um, Kormoto is just a guy I don't think would fit there. I mean, if, if he gets there and they pick him, okay, I'll be interested to see how the, how they work with the two of them in the middle of the field because I mean he is a dynamic athlete as far as changing direction and attacking the football and finding different ways to get involved. Uh, but I, I just I feel like there's some guys that that aren't a necessary fit there. Um, so yeah, but. I also I'd say the first round talent at wide receiver, whereas it's exciting and there's a lot of really talented guys this year in this class. You don't need to do that. You're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You could draft some guy in the sixth round. He's probably going to end up being better <laughs> than some of those guys in the first round. So um, yeah, I, the, those are my those are my main things. There's uh, you know like I I I'm I'm big again on the second and third rounds waiting you know waiting out later yeah. to get some of these guys as off-ball linebackers. And, and that's even when I would start looking at edge rushers. I'd say, you know what? You know, in the third and fourth rounds, that'd be a great place to just get an edge rusher who checks in as a backup. And then maybe he works and develops himself into a guy that splits more snaps with, or snaps with Alex Highsmith. But, um, but first round, 
I think that there's a lot of talent at key positions of need that wouldn't even be a reach to go get. I think that's very well said. As always, thoughtful and calculated and comes correct. Our buddy Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast. Now, Chris, uh, briefly before I let you go here, you know, I've done this the past couple weeks. Um, I've been talking to football Chris Carter. Can you once again pass the phone to basketball Chris Carter? One second, one second. Yeah. Uh, hey, no. is, this, is this hoops, Chris? Sorry, this is women's hoops, Chris. I got to go get men's hoops, Chris. All right, my apologies, my apologies, my apologies. Yeah, get out here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, men's hoops, Chris is here. What is up with? Men's hoops, Chris. Nice to chat with you, buddy. Uh, just wanted, you know, quickly from your thoughts here, because I know I've kept all the Chris's for a while already. One, Saturday night, that, that Gonzaga-UCLA game, was that, you know what, let's just start with the first one. Saturday night, was that the game that this tournament needed? Oh, it, it absolutely was. That, was. that was everything you wanted. It had drama. It was David versus Goliath. And even though Goliath pulls it out in the end, like David showed you, like, hey, this, these guys were worthy of the respect that they get. This wasn't just a yeah. lucky run. They were balling. They were just – you saw defense. You saw physicality. You saw never dyingness on both sides of the, on both sides of the ball. And, and then, of course, Gonzaga being a legend uh, – right now, they're building themselves to be a legendary team this year. They're undefeated. Could be the first undefeated team to win the championship since 1976. All of that – and all of that pressure is on the line with that final shot that, 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 that got Gonzaga the win. Um, you see in the reactions, and it's kind of crazy because, like, the first thing I thought when I saw some people like showing like some UCLA bars, uh, it was actually was like, mm, I'm still not, I'm still not used to seeing you know packed bars and <laughs> after the <laughs> pandemic year, but uh, it was absolutely just beautiful. It was so it was so much fun, and it was something that the entire country seemed to get behind, yeah. unless you were just like being grumpy and trying to say I don't like basketball, and you know there are those people, but you know, but, but forget them. This was an amazing moment. A lot of people really, really enjoyed it. And I think that anyone who enjoys general sports and drama, heck, I was watching with my girlfriend. She's not a few sports person, but she was like, let's go Gonzaga because I picked them and I want a free pizza at work. And I was like, that's just uh, that's the uh, that, that, that's part of the, the coolness, man. That's and, and the also, beauty of this I, time of year, baby. Yeah, it's just it's March Madness, and again, these are two completely different programs, and yep. all the things that that went that went into how that they how they got there. And UCLA's rich tradition, like you know, you saw Bill Walton, he, the way he responded, yep. he was kind of like he was like really pulling for his guys, but he had to respect how Gonzaga's played. And man, I can't wait to see. It. What was the last time, Wes, that at the beginning of the year, the the national oh, media yes, covered college basketball? said one versus two, these will be the teams that meet at the end of the year, and they were exactly right. Buddy, it's funny. I, I was talking about that with Craig Meyer uh, last hour on the show, and all that we could think of was, I think it would have been 08, Florida versus Ohio State. That that's the, yeah, but I mean that, be the one. that's been 13 years. You're right. It does not happen very often like this in any sport, particularly in college basketball, when you have the format of March Madness. So, Mr. Carter. I did the research on this. Last two years, these two programs, 115 and 8 combined over the last two years, Gonzaga and Baylor. 115 and 8, these two programs over the last two seasons. Mr. Carter, who cuts down the nets late tonight? Oh, man, I'm going with Baylor. I'm going with Ooh! Baylor. I, 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 the, the way their mix of size and ability to shoot outside has just astounded me all year. Like, yeah. it, was like, it was like still Steelers season. And so I was covering pit football, pit basketball, and the Steelers for DK Pittsburgh Sports. And I was like, well, 
let me start to get look at that, like these other like really good teams around college basketball. And I just watched like a Baylor game, and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is just insane. What the who? who what are these guys doing? What are these guys doing? <laughs> what sport and, are these guys playing? And, and, Right, exactly. Like who? Like, you, you guys, you guys aren't real. You're the monsters. Get out of here. Uh, and that—that's the thing where I think Gonzaga might run into some trouble. Is Gonzaga has amazing teamwork. They have. A, they, they have. When they are in a flow, it is arguably the best flow of basketball that that, that you can see yeah. at the college level. They, the, the ball is always moving. Someone, even when they're, they don't have the ball, they're moving. It's forcing the defense to to, to stress out and cover everything every second they're on the floor. But. If you face a team that that can that can stand up to that mental challenge, and they, I, I, you know, I think they almost did with UCLA. That's going to make it. Hard, that, yeah. That's going to challenge Gonzaga every part of the way. Now, here's the thing: UCLA, you know, tough team. They had a couple of really good stars. Baylor got a bunch of those type of dudes. If Baylor comes correct, that's where I think that Gonzaga runs into some problems. And that you know, now you're not just dealing with a Johnny Juice thing. You're dealing with a whole roster of guys who are going to dominate and. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowaway by any means. I think it's going to come down to the wire yet again. I just think that Gonzaga, they've had a lot of things go their way normally in sports. Hmm. When, you, when you start to see the ball roll that way so many times, you're, you're eventually going to see it roll the other way. Yeah. And I think ba- Baylor and their athletes, they're going to be able to win. I also picked them in, uh, in one of my pools, so that's also just me personally <laughs> throwing my bias in there. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm so excited to watch tonight. I like Gonzaga, it feels right. They feel like one of these teams. We know this isn't always how it works, but a lot of time in sports – you know, you got to take your lumps before you get over the hump, right? You know, you you've right. got, you've got to be the Kansas City Chiefs and get beat at home in the playoffs and losing the AFC Championship game to Tom Brady before you can finally climb that mountain and win the Super Bowl the next year. If you're Virginia, right, you had the ultimate embarrassment of being the first number one seed ever upset by a 16 seed, only to come back and win the whole dang thing the next year. You know, we we like that as much as I hate those guys, right? The Washington Capitals finally getting through the Penguins to win their championship. It it feels a little bit like that for me for Gonzaga. They have been knocking on the door just year after year for so long. And, and man, if Baylor does get it done tonight that would be such a heartbreak for for the zags and, and see that's the thing is that you're, you're absolutely right because i was I, you know i was I think about virginia but even think a few years before that villanova with the way yep. they won yep. the year before that they were knocked out right here in pittsburgh yep, the, flute, the, crying, the, in, in the, the crying flute the, girl the, game the flute girl game yes when nc state by the way i picked that one um <laughs> but, uh, nc state took them out in the second round and everyone was stunned because of how great Villanova was that year and yet that same team came back the next year and said we got something to prove and they walked their way to a title the same way Virginia Virginia did that um, not last year but two years ago uh, when they when they when they bounced back from getting bounced in the first round and being the first ever one seed to lose and it's a great journey and those are the great stories that you get in sports you know for the Steelers when you go back and you you remember the times when like Joey Porter was like I cried when I dropped the intercept the pick six yeah. that would have sent us to the 2001 Super Bowl you know and you, and they talk about, and like when Heinz Ward cried it's like it's like man when he was crying for Jerome Bettis in 2004 yep. Yep. all those all those moments where it's like you know like hey we've been getting so close and then eventually you see a team they're like no more we will not have this moment happen again yes those are the really cool things to work for man and Gonzaga absolutely could do that I just don't know if they got hmm. enough to, to 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 stop Jared Butler. That man has been just a, a one man wrecking crew all year long. Um, you know, just you know, sixteen point six points per game, um, and they, they they got a bunch of dudes that can score from different ranges. But again, it would be a great story, and I would not doubt. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Gonzaga wins. This is not me saying it's impossible right, to win. Right. I just if. If, if someone asked me to lay a five dollar bet down, because that's about as cheap as I get on my bets, um, I, I would probably pick, I would probably I would take Baylor for that moment.
Chris, let's just hope we can all agree on this, whether you're neutrals like we are, whether you're a, an alumnus of either university. Uh, let's just hope that tonight the product, the game, uh, is on par with the buildup, the hype, the potential for this one. Uh, let's hope we're in for a doozy this evening. Mr. Carter, last one real quick before I let you go. I've been keeping you here for a while. I apologize. But you tweeted out something last night, a little stir on the Twitter.com. You know, you made, me, made my eyebrows, my ears perk up. What did I do? Chris Carter, who's the greatest band of all time? This earth wouldn't fire. What you talking about, man? That wasn't no stir up. That's just fact. That's just, it's just, it's a scientific fact that Earth, Wind, and Fire is the greatest band of all time. And and you could go look on that versus. They used all four hours that Instagram Live gives you, and they were still not able to play even their biggest hits. Like, that's that's how great they were. And granted, the Isley Brothers was getting it. And, and, and sometimes you forget how many things the Isley Brothers have done. I know. And how many times they've been sampled by other people. And you're like, dang, I did forget that was them. And because you've heard in like a thousand other songs since then. And you're like, oh, man. But Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. Like, like, the one thing that they brought up in that discussion was how they were before genre. They, they were, they, yes. Today, you, you put them in rock and roll or R&B or soul or this or that. And they fit all of jazz. They fit all of it. But the thing is, is that they, that's how great of a band that they were. And they, they touched so many different people in so many different ways. Um, and the way that they, they grew out, just that that's my goat band. I could play I could play hours of Earth, Wind and Fire music and still have hours to go of amazing stuff. So yep, Earth Wind and Fire, Goat Band, absolutely no controversy whatsoever. Isley brothers. I mean, you talk about a tough matchup there that they're drawing, and they don't even have oh. they don't even have Jimi Hendrix anymore. I mean, geez Louise. <laughs> Chris Carter, yeah. great stuff as always, buddy. I I like I said, I've kept you way too long. I've said that now like three times. That's how much time you've given me here on the program. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. As always, great stuff, and we will talk soon. You're my dude, Wes. My man, there he is, Chris Carter. DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're a Steelers junkie and you're not subscribed to the Locked On Steelers podcast, well, guess what? You're not a Steelers junkie. Make sure you're uh, checking out all of Chris's work at DKPittsburghSports.com as well, too. Great stuff from him, as always. Earth, Wind, and Fire, phenomenal. So good.